Uh, turn your Bible to James chapter 3 if you need one. Uh, there's Bibles in the chair um, in front of you, underneath you. Um, James chapter 3. We're continuing our series today in the book of James. And really the big idea in this series is that faith, authentic faith, genuine faith, real faith is faith with action. It's faith in action. Pastor Brian, look at chapter one a couple weeks ago. We spent time in chapter two last week. And today we're going to look at faith in action when it comes to the words that we use and the wisdom that we choose. The words that we use, the wisdom that we choose. If you want to take some notes, you can follow along in your worship guide um, this morning uh, just to kind of track with me. So let's stand together. We're going to read James chapter 3, verse 7 through 12 uh, to kind of get an idea of where we're going to be heading this morning. Um, at the end of our main text reading, we always say the phrase, the very words, just to distinguish God's words from my own. James chapter 3, verse 7. Through 12 says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human, human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You have a seat. So James is going to come back and really expand on a couple ideas that, that he, he mentioned back in chapter 1. So if we go back to James chapter 1 verse 19, um, James says this about the words that we use. He says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So James introduces this idea early in the letter that what we say with our mouths, the words that we use, really are important. That our words matter. That, that it's a part of what it means to live a genuine growing faith in Jesus Christ. And so he takes these next verses in chapter 3 and really expands on the importance not only of the words that we use, but ultimately also the wisdom that we choose to base our life around, which in turn, as we're going to see, has an effect on the words that we choose. So all this is continuing this study, this conversation around what does it mean to be people who not only believe, but who also live a faith that is active, that is authentic, and that is genuine. So I want to spend most of our time today on the words that we choose, and then we'll end talking about the wisdom, or the words that we use, and we'll end talking about the wisdom that we, we, we use to, to base our life around and I want to share with you four kind of observations, things that, that I see James telling us in these verses about why our words really matter, about why our words really matter. And here's the first one. Controlling our words is a universal challenge. So controlling our words is a universal challenge. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So he starts talking about teachers, and he says, hey, those who would teach need to understand that, that with that teaching uh, influence comes really great responsibility. That it's important that those who teach watch what they say, and it's important that those who listen, I would kind of extrapolate this, that we always test what we're hearing that could be fallible because every teacher apart from God is imperfect. We always test what we hear 
as possibly infallible with what we know is infallible and perfect. So if you want to become a teacher, Paul, Paul, but James says, listen, you need to kind of think about this because there's great responsibility. I thought about this. Uh, There's a quote from the Spider-Man comics and Spider-Man movies by Spider-Man's Peter Parker's Uncle Ben that says, with great power comes great responsibility. That's kind of a summary of what James is talking about here. That with great power and influence and being a teacher, there's also great responsibility. And he says that teachers will actually be judged more strictly than those who don't teach. But he doesn't just stop with teachers needing to understand that, that, that controlling their words is a challenge. He, he then goes and he talks to all followers of Jesus in this. Look at James 3 verse 2. It says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also, and able also to bridle his whole body. So James says, listen, controlling our words, controlling our tongue, it's a universal challenge. It starts with teachers, but every single one of us has the same calling and faces the same challenge when it comes to this idea of choosing our words and controlling our words. I was thinking about this this week. You know, if, if I was getting this letter in the first century when James was writing it, there'd be a couple of ways that I would think about needing to apply this letter, primarily two, right? Um, Because there are really two ways that my words could be used to offend or sin against people in that context. One is speaking face-to-face. So I would have to go to you and say something to you that would be offensive, right? I could also talk about you behind your back. So there's that speaking part. But the other way really that I could offend you with my words in James's day is I would have to write a letter. Those are really the two ways that I would have to apply this context and this teaching in the context that it was originally written in. Well, I started thinking about this and if it really is a universal challenge, then it's a challenge for us today. But we have so many more opportunities to not control the words that we use. I started, I started thinking about this. I mean, we, we have to think about and control the words that we say. So there is, there is that reality, right? I was doing some research and it said this, that, that the average person speaks 7,000 words per day. The average person speaks 7,000 words. And some research would say it's between 7,000 to 16,000 words per day. Now, some of you are like, I speak 150. So that means somebody is nonstop talking, my daughter Piper, right? Like that's just, you know, that's how it is, right? And so uh, she's in here today, so I had to throw that out there. But let's just say 7,000 words on average. Well, I did some math, and 7,000 words on average, if you take 365 days a year, that's 2,555,000 words per year are spoken out of our mouth. That's 2,555,000 opportunities to not control our tongues. But it's not just what we say. We also have what we text, right? I did some more research. In the U.S., over 6 billion text messages are sent every single day. If you take teenagers out of the mix, it's about a billion and a half. No, I'm just kidding. But like 6 billion text messages per day. It said the average person sends 72 messages per day. So if let's just say we're average today, 72 chances through texting for us to not control the words that we use. But James says that's important. And we haven't even started talking about social media, 
right? It's not that we just write a letter now, we post on our phones and we can, we can share whatever we wanna share with anybody across the entire world. It said this, that in 2020, the average amount of time that a person spent on social media was 145 minutes per day. If you take that and extrapolate it out from between the age of 16 to 70, the average person in our day today will spend 5.7 years on social media. It's a whole lot of chances to not control our time. There are 456,000 tweets sent worldwide every minute. 4,000 or 46,700 in photos are shared to Instagram across the world every minute. And Facebook has 510,000 comments and 292,000 status updates per minute across the world. So you may ask the question sometimes like, hey, is the Bible relevant to today? And I would say, man, this could not be more relevant. Because not only are we supposed to watch what we say, the reality is, James says, it's a universal challenge that we all face it. So he says, you know, we all stumble back in verse two. And we see that this was a problem within the early church. Specifically, James is gonna address in the next two chapters that there were things like slander and empty boasting and grumbling and complaining against one another that were a part of the life of the early church that he was saying, this ought not to be. But I would say that it's a modern day challenge too, even within the life of the church. That controlling our words and making sure that we use our words in appropriate ways is, is something that we all have to think about and we all have to deal with. And James says is something that we have to think about and deal with when it comes to this idea of wanting to live a mature Christ-like faith. He goes on to say that basically this, that if somebody does have control over their tongue, over their words, that they're perfect. Now, he doesn't mean really perfect. He, he's talking about mature. The spiritual maturity, maturity in faith is learning to control what we would say and how we would say it. So it's a universal challenge that we all face, and James reveals that to us. I thought about this, this prayer that David prays in Psalm 1914. It says this, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord my God and my Redeemer. And that verse has always stood out to me because my pastor growing up, he would pray before he, he preached um, every, every time. And he would always end his prayer quoting that prayer. That the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to God. Because he wanted to make sure that what he said as a teacher, but the application doesn't stop there. What we say is what we should be saying because it's a challenge to control our words. Here's the second thing that we see in James is that our words are not only controlling those words is not only a universal challenge, but our words have great power and consequence. That our words have great power and consequence. It may not seem like words are that important, especially because there's so many of them now in today's context. But the reality is, is that our words are powerful and they carry with them a consequence. They're, they're not neutral. They're not negative. Look at James 3, 3. Through five, James gives a couple examples talking about the power of the tongue and the power of our words. It says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, 
wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. He talks about bits in the mouths of horses, that though that bit is small, it has the power to control the entire horse, that rudders on ships control the direction. And the tongue, though it is small, our words, though they may seem insignificant at times, have great power and they have great consequence. He goes on to say this in verse five through six, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. And it's set on fire by hell. James is not pulling punches when it comes to how seriously he is saying we need to think about the words that we use and how it reflects our faith in Jesus. So listen, there's, there, there's great forest fires that are sparked by a little blaze, a little flame. And he said that tongue is like that fire, has incredible power, incredible potential, incredible consequence, that it is, it is a world of unrighteousness. There's no limit to the evil that tongue can do and the destruction that our words can do. And it has great power to inflict, inflict harm, not just on others, but also us. And, and, and oftentimes it is the, the, the power and the inf, influence it has on other people and the impact it has on other people that is oftentimes the most dangerous. I started thinking about this this week because I saw some news stories. So you probably heard that there's some incredibly huge and devastating fires all across Canada. And so there you know, are just tons of people that are being affected directly by these fires. And each one of these fires was started with a small spark. But I saw this picture of um, New York City, and this is New York, you know, many, many, many miles away from the nearest fire, but this is the result of the fires in Canada. That New York was basically blanketed in this smog and haze that, that they said was so bad they were telling people to shelter in place, especially if they had longer breathing issues, because this was potentially life-threatening to them at times. Now, New York had nothing to do with the fires, but they were suffering the effect of the fire. In the same way, the words we say may not directly impact somebody, but the impact can be felt by them because words are powerful. It says they set on fire the course of life. It has the power to affect every part of life, and it's set on fire by hell, that it's part of our sinful nature. It's part of that which we will struggle with even as a follower of Jesus. So James reminds us that we need to understand that, that our tongue and controlling our tongue is important because it has great power and great consequence. Here's the third thing. Our words have the potential to bless or curse. So he does say, listen, that your, 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 your words, your tongue, there, there is a positive side to it. That the power and the consequence, the power and the potential is really found in the fact that your words can either bring blessing or it can curse, it can bring destruction. Here's what he says in verse seven. He says, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, says these things ought not to be so. 
You know, James says, listen, we've tamed so much of creation. But he says, no man, no person can tame the tongue. Which is really discouraging because he said we're supposed to, right? So he's like, hey, you're supposed to control what you say. You're supposed to tame your tongue. And then he says, no man can tame the tongue. It's like, are we done? Do we walk away discouraged? Like, what is he saying here? Well, what he's saying is, is that no person by their own willpower alone can completely control the words that they say. Which is good news for the ones he's writing to, which is the good news for many of us is because we're followers of Jesus. And that means we have the spirit of God in our life and the spirit of God helps do things in and through us that we can't do on our own. And so the, you know, Paul talks about it this way. He says that there's fruit, there's results, there are things that come from the Holy Spirit in us that come in a way that can only come because of the Holy Spirit in us. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says against these things, there's no law. He says, listen, that, that yeah, we can have some self-control in our life, that we can love, we can have joy, we can have some peace, but, but there's times where our own power is not gonna get us to where God would want us to be. So God has put his Holy Spirit inside of us to help bridge that gap and get us further than we can be on our own. So when he says that no person can tame the tongue, he's saying nobody can do this completely and perfectly without the help of the Holy Spirit in their life. Because Words matter. And God's spirit wants to change the words that you say and the way that you say them to better reflect maturity in Jesus Christ. And that's that idea of maturity. It's this idea of spiritual maturity. He says this. He says that the tongue can really be used for two things. Our words can do two things in broad categories. Number one, it says they can bless. And the example he uses is, it says with, with it we bless the Lord and Father. So when we come in a setting like this and we sing songs to God, the words that we just sang bless God. Those words were used as a blessing. When we pray for each other, when you know, we, we gather together, we, we say good morning to each other, we encourage each other, like those are ways our words can be used for blessing. They can be used for good. But he also says this, is that our words can be used to curse to harm, to destroy, to, to inflict pain. And he says, listen, he says, he says, so many of us talking in this context, says with our words, we, we bless God, but at the same time, we curse those, we, we destroy those, we harm those who are made in the very image of the God that we bless. And he says, this ought not to be so. That we should not, as followers of Jesus, be people who sing praises to God on Sunday and trash people on social media on Sunday afternoon. We should not be people who, in a Bible study context, use words to bless God and encourage, but then are harsh and hurtful with our spouse and with our kids and our family. He says that there should be a consistency in the words that we say. That we, we all have to think about controlling our, our tongue because it's a universal challenge. And it's important because the tongue has power and it has consequence in the words that we say. And we can either bless or we can curse. And we are to be people who bring blessing with the words that we say and how we say them. 
The Apostle Paul echoes this in Ephesians 4, 29. He says, let no corrupting talk. Some translations, one I grew up with said, no, let no unwholesome talk, right? And we always say that means like don't curse, use four-letter words. It, it kind of means that, but what it means more is don't, don't kill people with the words you use. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. He also says, Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you ought to answer each person. He says, listen, we have opportunity after opportunity to use our words in a way that will bless or a way that will curse and destroy. So we can't be people that are known with blessing God and out of the same mouth cursing others that are made in his image. So words matter because controlling them is universal. It's a challenge we all face because they're powerful. They can bless or they can curse. And here's the fourth thing. Our words matter because they're actually a reflection of our heart. They're actually a reflection of our heart. Look at verse 11 through 12. It says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? It says, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So he asks a couple questions without answering. He kind of does it hypothetically, but he leads to the answer that he's wanting us to, to come to through, through how he's structuring the questions. He says, listen, can a, can a freshwater spring produce salt water? Well, obviously the answer is no, it can't. Because a spring produces what is coming from the source. The source, the source dictates what's pouring forth from the spring. It says the same thing. It says, can a fig tree bear olives? No, a fig tree bears figs, an olive tree bears olives. But there's a connection between what's inside and the source and what's coming out. You know, Jesus taught the same thing in Luke chapter six, verse 43 through 45. He says, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of this abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Other translations say, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's this reality. Listen, if you want to know what your heart's like, listen to the words that you use. Because your words are simply a reflection and an overflow of your heart. And so it's important that we understand our words, we watch our words, we control our words because they actually reveal and reflect more of what's inside, which Jesus probably really honestly cares more about. He wants your heart. But here's the thing, if your heart is full of wickedness and anger and evil and frustration, guess what's gonna spew out of your mouth when you use words? If, if your heart is full of insecurity and bitterness and hurt, guess what's gonna spew out when you open your mouth? But if your heart is full of love, it is full of joy, it's full of peace, it's full of, 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 of a pursuit of righteousness, then, then guess what's gonna pour forth out of our mouth? See, our words reflect simply what's in our heart. I love this quote that I came across this week by Oswald Chambers. It says, if a cup is filled 
only with good water. It cannot spill even one drop of bitter water, no matter how badly it's jarred. So if you have a cup that is 100% full of good water, doesn't matter how much you smash that around, slosh it around, it's not going to spill out bad water because it only spills out what is inside it. So you may think, well, a lot of times my speech is really good. Well, what comes out whenever like the pressure's turned up? Like for some of us, and I'll say us because I'm just being authentic with you, right? I'm really glad I drive by myself a whole lot. It's not right. It's not good. But like, you know, I'm like more careful when somebody's in the car. Why? Because though I like use good words, you know, 90% of the time, like when the going gets tough, guess what like starts coming out? All of a sudden I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm ugly at people, right? But see, like that is the part where he's saying, listen, it's not just that like 80%. Like, what's the 20%? That's a reflection of your heart. It's a reflection of my heart. So he says, listen, listen, if we're going to continue this idea of like pushing forward, that faith is faith in action, action. That faith is faith in action. Then we've got to understand that part of what matters in the actions of our life is the words that we use. So Here's the question. What do your words reveal about your heart? Well, and if that weren't enough, he continues in chapter three to say it's not just about the words that we use. It's also the wisdom that we, that we choose. Look at verse three through, or sorry, look at verse, chapter three, verse 16. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of of wisdom. So he introduces this kind of this new idea that part of what controls our action, it's, it's, it's the, the wisdom, it's the guidance, it's, it's the direction that we're using to base our life on. So he kind of points this idea, like I said, if we're going to live our faith out in action, if we're going to prioritize the words that we say, you know, if we're going to know, you know, what, what's, what's blessing and what's cursing, if we're going to live out this stuff, well, we got to understand that it's not just about the action. It begins with, like, where are we going for direction in our life? And how do we know that that direction is going to lead us to the really good thing? So in some ways, he's saying, listen, that, that, that what are you allowing to affect your heart? What are you basing your life around? Because that's going to overflow. And he introduces kind of two types of wisdom. One he says is wisdom from below, and and one he says is wisdom from above. And so here's what he tells us we need to do when it comes to to how we base our life and the wisdom we choose. Simply, number one, he says we we need to reject wisdom from below. Don't base our life on earthly wisdom. Well, how do you know what is earthly wisdom? Here's what he says in verse 14 through 16. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false with the truth. So again, he's saying, listen, if you have certain things in your heart, it's going to come out in your boasting. It's going to come out in the way that you're talking. And he says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, then it could be that you're basing your life on the wrong thing. He says in verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but this wisdom is earthly. It's unspiritual and it's demonic. 
For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So listen, how do I know I'm basing my life on, on wisdom from below? Then it's because then my life is based around selfish ambition. It's based around me first. It's based around jealousy. It's based around discord. It's, it's, it's really this idea of a me-centric way of living. And I'll be honest with you, there, there's so many sources to find wisdom and teaching and influence on in our culture that would direct us that way, that it's really about you first. But James says that type of wisdom, which will then result in speech that is about you first, is actually, he says, it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. He says, so instead, well, so reject that wisdom, but then number two is, the, but accept the wisdom from above. Well, how do we know what the wisdom from above is like? We'll look at verse 13, 17 through 18. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. It's open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. It's a harvest of righteousness that is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we see the opposite here. That godly wisdom, heavenly wisdom, is about others first. It's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason. That that's, if you're leaning that direction, looking for guidance and wisdom in that way, then guess what's going to happen? It's going to have an effect on your life as well. So he's almost saying, listen, we, you know, we, we talked about like the words you say and all that kind of stuff, but it ultimately comes down to where are you finding the guidance for your life? If it's from below, you're not going to achieve, you're not going to find spiritual maturity. What's going to overflow from your mouth is not going to be reflective of Jesus and his kingdom. But if you're basing your life on godly, heavenly wisdom, the very words of God that we talk about each and every Sunday, then you're gonna have a better chance of allowing that to overflow out of your life and being people whose words are not used to curse, but to bring blessing. So James tells us, as we kind of summarize and we wrap up today, that a growing authentic faith in Jesus is faith in action. It's seen in the words that we use and the wisdom that we choose. So, a couple questions for us as we just kind of think about this. Number one, do the words that we use reflect the love, the teachings, and the person of Jesus? Do they reflect the heavenly wisdom from above that he just talked about in those verses? Are we known as people who bring blessing or more cursing? Are we people who tear down or people who build up? You know, what are our words really revealing about our heart? Because that's the bigger issue, if we're honest. And second is, are we choosing to live by wisdom from below or wisdom from above? Are, are our lives and our speech reflective of jealousy and selfish ambition? Or are they known for purity, for gentleness, for reasonableness, for mercy, and are they full of good fruit? You know, it could be that today, 
you know, the reality is, is that God, as he's done for me this week, has maybe revealed some areas where he would say to you, like, your words are revealing a heart issue. So let's not just deal with the words, but let's deal with the heart issue. And it could be that you, in all honesty, would sit there and say, you know what, I'm not using my words to bless and to build up. And I think that for you and for those who are here today in that, that, that setting, and for me, whenever God reveals that to me, the right response is to confess those to God, repent of that, but then also to ask the question, do I need to apologize to people who have may have been, the, may have been on the, the receiving end of those words that were not peaceful, gracious, building up? It could be that maybe you're here today and, and your, your challenge is this, is that you are the one who has been on the receiving end of words like that. And you know full well that words are not neutral. That things that are said hurt. They wound. And they can, they can leave a, a, a wake of destruction. And maybe for you today, the thing that you need to do is allow God to come in and heal that part of your heart that's been wounded by the words of others. Because if, if we don't, then what happens is that wounding and that hurt then has a tendency to come out through our mouth in ways that we wouldn't want it to. And it may mean that ultimately what we need to do is if we haven't done this, we, we need to put our faith and trust in Jesus for the very first time and become his follower today. I don't know your response, but I do know that we all have a way to respond. So let's do that today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today and for this is the opportunity we have to, to be here to listen to your word. God, I'm grateful that, God, you um, have inspired your word to make it, God, timeless and very timely for our life as well. And so, God, however we need to respond to you today, if it's confession, if it's repentance, if it's asking for restoration and healing, if it's apologizing to people who we, we've hurt with our words, God, God, if it's, if it's understanding and realizing that we're, we're allowing, God, wisdom from below to direct our life and we need to listen to the wisdom from above that ultimately comes through, through Jesus, God, whatever that response is today, God, we're not done until we respond. So God, would you help us to take the next step you would have for us today? Help us to be people who words, God, matter. And they're used for you and by you for your glory and for the good of others. It's in Jesus' name, amen.